Welcome to Legal Tips, a podcast series from the Tort Trial and Insurance Practice Section of the American Bar Association, also known as TIPS. As leaders in trial practice and issues of justice involving tort and insurance law, TIPS brings together plaintiffs, defense, corporate, and in-house counsel to tackle issues confronting the legal profession. Welcome to Legal Tips. I'm Jill Mariani, the chair designee of the Government Law Committee and today's host. Legal Tips is designed to present you with a balanced discussion of thought-provoking issues and suggest creative approaches and solutions to problems that arise in the practice of tort and insurance law. Today's episode is on technology in the courtroom. We'll focus on how technology can provide creative solutions to give persons with disabilities or the elderly equal access to the courtroom. These individuals may be judges, lawyers, witnesses, jurors, or even members of the public. We have two guests today, Professor Becky Morgan, the director of the Center for the Excellence in Elder Law at Stetson University College of Law, and John Christopher, a multimedia presentation consultant who works at DecisionQuest, a leading jury and trial consulting firm with offices throughout the country. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Becky, I'm going to start with you. You spearheaded the project that resulted in the creation of the first model courtroom that provided a friendly atmosphere for the elderly and persons with disabilities. Can you tell us how that was inspired? Um, Our faculty had... um had decided that the next time we built a courtroom, we were going to name uh, it in honor of one of our professors who had retired, who was um, really instrumental in in dealing with our advocacy program here at Stetson. And when we got the go-ahead to do the project, we went to the dean and asked her if we could do something innovative, and that is... We wanted to build a courtroom that focused on access to justice for people who are elderly and disabled because it tied into two of the programs that we do at Stetson, our elder law program and our advocacy program. And the dean uh, agreed and allowed us to design this courtroom to make it um, a model courtroom to provide access through our physical design. And, and where is this courtroom that apparently started about three and a half years ago? Yeah, we dedicated it in September of 2005, and it's located on our main campus of the law school in Gulfport, Florida. So let's talk about some of the technology that you have uh, put into the courtroom. What, what we wanted to do, Jill, with our, with our technology is not only use the technology in a way that it is typically used in a courtroom, which John can talk a lot more about, but we also wanted to look at the use of technology to provide access. So we have um, large screens near our jury box so that people who have a low vision can see the display. In the gallery, we used flat panel monitors because they give a nice crisp de- design and display. We have an amplification devices for people who have hearing loss, and we have an annotation system for evidence so that a witness who maybe has any kind of mobility impairments doesn't have to get out of the witness box 
to point at an exhibit. We can run that exhibit through our technology on our annotation system, and at the witness box, the, the witness can touch that screen and show us by using colors, much like a football diagrams on television, where the witness was in relation to whatever an accident scene or whatever. And We've also got um, translation equipment for people who um, don't speak English. We've also got the software that allows documents to be read out loud. Those are some of the kinds of things that we had incorporated in our courtroom, but I'm sure John could talk further about some of the other technology that, that can be used in a courtroom. And John, uh, your, from your experience as a person who coordinates all the pre-trial production for many of your clients throughout the country, what would you add to this or what comments do you would you want to make? Well, just what uh, was mentioned, I think it's a great thing to have these these pieces of equipment in the courtroom and the annotation screens are uh, a good addition. I see a lot of courtrooms usually stop short of putting those in, but it's great to have one at the witness box, great to have one at the uh, podium for the attorney. And even taking it a step further, I was in a courtroom in Sioux City, Iowa just the other day, and they're planning on putting in the ability to print out whatever a witness touches on the screen. Let's say you put a photograph in front of a witness that maybe has a, a speech problem or a mobility problem, as was mentioned, and they can annotate the photograph, and then you hit a button, it gets saved and printed as evidence. You put a sticker on it and submit it as evidence. Right now, when I see uh, touch screens, they don't have the ability to save what is put on there. So that's a, that's a good thing to probably add to a lot of courtrooms. Sounds like, Becky, it sounds like John may be giving you some ideas here for uh, um, enhancement. Absolutely. Do you have internet access in the courtroom? Yes. Um, our courtroom is wired, and so we. this is a multi-purpose courtroom because we use it as a classroom as well. It's a teaching courtroom for us, and so in the gallery we have tables and, and chairs, and so we have ports at all the seats, but in addition to the, to, to the, the wired technology, we're also wireless, and so we have ports at the council tables, but we're wireless throughout the courtroom. Uh, John, are you seeing that there are ports in the jury boxes as well as other parts of the courtroom? For internet, not in the jury box. And I, I would understand why that would probably be a distraction to give the jury access to the internet while the trial is going on. Um, but internet in general in courtrooms is very spotty and very inconsistent. I think that um, having the ability to stream the video of a, of a court proceeding and the transcript of a court proceeding could be very beneficial to uh, not only the two counsels in, in the trial, but anybody who wouldn't be able to make it physically to the courthouse. I think it would be a great thing. And, and for some reason, it's just not consistent throughout the court system. Having Some judges will not allow it whatsoever. Other judges do. Oh, we're going to get to talking about how the judges and the lawyers are going to react to this in a few minutes. I spent a little time asking Becky a little bit more about the details here of the courtroom. Could you tell us what the courtroom physically looks like, a little bit about the architecture inside? Ab absolutely. Um, the, the courtroom is designed to give unrestricted physical access to individuals. And so when designing the courtroom, we were thinking about colors and lighting and air conditioning and sound and the seating and the tables, the size of the well of the courtroom, the witness box, and all those different kinds of things. So, for example, the exterior doors to the courtroom have a windows in them, but the windows are longer than normal, and that's done so that if you have a person in a wheelchair or a scooter, that person can see through the window into the courtroom, and you can see that person as well. So when you're opening a door, you don't have to worry about it. 
Um, we wanted to make sure that the lighting did not buzz because equipment, technology, as John can talk about, and lighting, air conditioning, heating, all those things make background noise. And when you have a person with hearing loss, it's hard for that individual because of all that background noise. So we wanted to make sure that the lighting didn't buzz, that it didn't cast shadows, that it didn't cast glare. Um, with the air conditioning in Florida, we use air conditioning a lot down here, and we wanted to make sure that there was not a lot of noise with the air conditioning and that it wasn't concentrated when the blowers were on because a lot of times some people get very cold when they're sitting in an air-conditioned room, and we didn't want to be blowing on individuals. So we have um, our vents are high up in the ceilings. They're longer than, than maybe typical, and we put baffles in the ductwork to slow down the air to make it quieter when it comes on. Um, with our carpeting, we used carpet squares because we wanted to make sure that in gluing these squares down, we didn't get any kind of wrinkles in the carpet, which might present an obstacle for people. The tables are two-toned, light tops, dark edges, because we wanted to give visual clues to people who have vision loss where the edges of the tables are. So all of the tables, including those in the gallery, the witness box, the judge's bench, the council tables all have this two-toned um, uh, wood to them. One of my favorite features is the gate that goes into the well of the courtroom, and it's an electronic gate that retracts into the railing. Because if you think about a swinging gate and you have a person with a cane or a wheelchair or a walker or a scooter or a service dog, you know, trying to get through that gate creates an obstacle. So our great gates are electronic, and they retract back so that there's no barrier. Those are just some of the features that we've, we've put in this courtroom to make it more accessible. It would seem like any of these features would make for a very friendly courtroom in general. John, are, are any of these things the type of things that you're seeing around the country? Uh, yeah, the retractable gates, though, is a new one. That's a great feature. And I, I was th just thinking how difficult that might be for somebody with a walker or a wheelchair. Um, I have seen uh, witness boxes being modified with um, motorized ele you know, ele elevation ramps for wheelchairs. Um, I just, the courtroom in Sioux City, Iowa, I was in, had uh, no steps leading into the jury box. A lot of jury boxes have one or two steps to get in. This one had a very low incline to get into the jury box. I thought that was a nice touch uh, and consideration. So, yeah, I'm seeing a lot, of, a lot of things across the board from jury boxes with four steps to get up high and then jury boxes with elevators to go in. But it's going to take time for, I think, all these old buildings to get retrofitted. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things that we did with our witness box is we don't have a step. Oftentimes, the witness has to step up or step down, exactly. and, and I believe that's for line of sight purposes, but we checked, and our witness box is flush on the floor because we didn't want to put ramps or lifts in our courtroom, and it's longer than perhaps typical for a witness box. So if you have a person in a walker, there's no step for them to navigate, and there's plenty of room for that walker to be right next to the person in the witness box. If the person is in a wheelchair or uses um, a scooter, there's plenty of turning radius for, for the witness as well. Becky, some of the features that you're describing sound like they are geared towards the witnesses or the jurors or even the public coming into the courtroom. Are there some features that are designed for the attorneys that are arguing or even the judge who might have um, a disability? 
Sure, um, and absolutely. As I had mentioned earlier, that you know the council tables are are two-toned as well, and we have visual clues throughout the courtroom in the carpet and in the in the walls so that people who may be moving around in the well of the courtroom, such as a lawyer, get clues if they have low vision kind of to direct them where things are. Um, we don't have the technology bolted down on the council tables, on the witness box, the bench, or at the podium, and that's because if you have either an attorney or a party who has limited mobility, you know, leaning forward to speak into a microphone or to see a monitor could be a problem. And so we have the ability to move the technology to the edge of the table for that advocate or for the party. I think the the biggest feature that we included for lawyers is the podium. We have a technology podium, and the height is adjustable. That's not particularly unique in a podium. It is a wheelchair podium, and what we wanted to do was to recognize that if an attorney has a limited upper body mobility or is using a wheelchair, all the top surface of that podium may not be useful to them in order to put books and papers. So we have retractable shelves on each side of the of the podium so that if the attorney is in a wheelchair and when those those shelves are fully extended, there is plenty of space on each side of the wheelchair for the attorney to put his or her papers. The other thing our thought was regarding that podium is that the podium, in, in essence, wraps around the attorney when those shelves are fully extended, and our thought was that that would help the jury focus on what the advocate is saying as opposed to the fact that the advocate may be using a wheelchair. The technology is all controlled from the podium. We have a system that has a touch screen, and the control panel is at the podium. We also have it at the at the judge's bench and at the technographer station. But for the attorney to show evidence or whatever, we have all that technology built into the podium for the attorney. So you are considering the attorneys as well as the other participants. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned something about um, a scooter. John, are you seeing anything that enables a person to have mobility around the courtroom? I think sometimes they call it a segue. Have you seen anything like that? Uh, I haven't seen a segue in a courtroom yet, but I do see a lot of consideration put into the, just the spacing of where things are in the courtroom to make sure there's enough room for a wheelchair, scooter, or eventually a, a segue. Um, do you want to tell people what a segue is? Segway would be that uh, standing upright, two-wheel uh, sort of pedestrian mobility device, I guess you would call it. Um, so... I think that one of the considerations I know I always have to think about when setting up equipment in a courtroom um, or working with attorneys that are bringing in large physical evidence like boards or even models is to make sure all the pathways are clear uh, into the witness box and the jury path and always keeping in mind where people are coming from out of, out of the different doors in a courtroom, where the, which door is the judge, the jury, the witnesses' path and all that. Becky, I heard you say something about uh, assistance dogs, uh, service animals. And as you know, there's a growing need for emotional support animals to assist witnesses uh, in cases. Is your courtroom animal friendly? Um, in terms of the size of our courtroom, it would be animal friendly because we have a very large well 
in our courtroom. So if you have one of the parties or attorneys using uh, a service animal, there is plenty of room either at counsel table or in the witness box or even in the jury box for for the animal. We have a, a lot of space in that area of the courtroom and in the gallery in between the rows, so there's, there would be plenty of room to, physically for an animal to be present in the courtroom. John, are you seeing service animals in the courtroom more and more? Honestly, I haven't seen that. I mean, I'm sure there's been C&I dogs coming and going, but I haven't come across it yet. Um, this may be a good time to tell our audience of a one-day symposium, which is a collaboration by TIPS and Stetson University College of Law, entitled Providing Persons with Disabilities and the Elderly with Equal Access to Justice. This program will be held on May 18, 2009, in the model courtroom down at the Gulfport campus, uh, and it will also be available through a webcast. Uh, Professor Morgan actually will be moderating a panel on promoting better courthouse and courtroom access, and we'll give you a tour of the, the courtroom to the participants. Uh, one of John's colleagues from Decision Quest, Mary Grace Schaefer, will be participating on a panel for selecting a jury. Becky, has your model courtroom been used for actual cases? Not not yet, and the, the trial court uh, has, in order for the judges to be uh, guarded by our bailiffs, we needed to add the, the screening equipment that's traditional in courtrooms these days, and we don't have that, that screening equipment. We have had a number of judges in our courtroom looking at our courtroom. They've been very interested about holding hearings in the courtroom, but we haven't gotten to the point yet where we have that, that necessary screening equipment. What is the capacity in the courtroom? We can put 48 um, in the gallery um, and then, of course, additional people in the jury box if need be. But for the audience, there's, it seats 48. Are you seeing similar courtrooms like this being built in the United States? We've, we've talked to a lot of groups about this courtroom. Um, as I said, we've had some judges in our courtroom. We've given presentations about this courtroom. We testified to the Access Commission, um, the, the group that comes up with the guidelines for federal courthouse design. And we've talked to a lot of folks about our courtroom. We just have not had anybody tell us, yes, we're going to go and do exactly what you do. And one of the things that we, we try to emphasize in our courtroom is that you don't have to do everything we did. You can do some of the things that we did. And there may be new things that could be done that when we built it three years plus years ago, you know, we didn't think about. And I know that there's been um, lots of different things as far as technology that's gone on. And, and maybe John, because of he, his travels around courtrooms, could talk about some of the things that, that he's seen beyond what we've done. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, changes that go on. One of the things that I see a lot of are uh, courtrooms that are choosing between a large screen or plasma screens. I like to think that you know a large screen is essential in a courtroom just to give the whole room a place to focus. Um, I think plasma screens are great for the gallery. And just as um, uh, Becky was saying, it's, a, it's a, uh, an investment that continues over time. This courtroom was built three years ago that Becky's talking about. Every five years, technology changes and needs to be upgraded and maintained. But um, I think one of the new things that that comes into play a lot would be uh, something like an electronic whiteboard. Uh, I'm 
I'm starting to see a lot more requests for this, a way for a, a witness to be able to draw something on a blank whiteboard and be able to capture it. And there are things called electronic whiteboards where it, it triangulates where the marker is, what color it is, recreates it onto a, a piece of software on a computer screen, and then gives you the ability to save that, print that, and make that evidence. So it sort becomes of, an exhibit. It becomes an exhibit. Sort of the same as an annotation screen, only you're not really annotating over top of a, a existing document or photograph. Uh, you can have an expert witness or even a child witness that may be able to better testify by drawing a picture and then be able to save that as evidence. I think that's something that's new and probably should catch on. John, you've been in dozens of courtrooms throughout the country. Are you noticing that there's more technology in the federal courtrooms or in the state and local courtrooms? I would definitely have to say the federal courtrooms, although I have been surprised by some state and county courts of taking the initiative of uh, putting equipment and technology in their courtroom. It's, it's been a, you know, sort of a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to find until you go there, which is why I'm usually traveling all over the country to check things out for a trial team before their trial happens. Um, but I would definitely have to say the federal court, I know there was a mandate about five, six years ago for all the federal courts to put in presentation technology. It's just taking a lot of time to get it done. And all the first courtrooms that got the equipment all now outdated and have to be <laughs> upgraded now. So uh, Earlier you mentioned, John, that there's some reaction by judges to the and, and, and I guess lawyers too to this technology. Can you and Becky both share what is the reaction of the bar and the judges to this technology? Um, I think judges, for the most part, are very open to it, um, other than internet. Internet, sometimes uh, judges are very against it, some judges are very open to it, but technology in general is uh, uh, pretty welcomed by most most of the judges. Some of the uh, uh, more traditional attorneys tend to shy away from technology or uh, just for lack of experience with it are hesitant to embrace using technology in the trial. A lot of your... Um, more junior associates, although have grown up with technology, are more interested in using it and how uh, technology can help solve their issues and how to present their evidence. Becky, what have you noticed with the judges that have visited? Um, you know, the judges who've seen our courtroom um, have have loved loved it, and you know, we use big screens as opposed to the the plasmas, as John was mentioning, um, for for our main screens, and we have our big screen next to the witness because we wanted to you know focus the jury's attention on the witness. Uh, as far as our law students, I mean, they're the ones growing up with this technology, and they're they're fine with it. They're you know they know how to do all of these things. I will tell you that in the adjoining hearing room, we intentionally designed our hearing room to not have technology. In the hearing room, we were visualizing its use in guardianship proceedings and kinds of hearings where there wouldn't be a jury, but there might be um, a party who is is elderly, and we didn't want to put technology in that room because we thought it might be a distraction and it might be intimidating to somebody who did not grow up with technology. So that room, we don't have all the bells and whistles that we have in the courtroom. So, Becky, if money were not an object here, if that were not a hindrance, what would be the next level that you'd be looking for for this courtroom? Oh, money. You know, I think that's part of the reason, too, maybe why some courts are not in a position to adapt 
some of the things we've talked about because one of the questions we always get from judges is, well, how much does this cost? You know, I think that, as John pointed out, technology continues to evolve, and our technology is three-plus years old, and there's now there's lots of new things out there, and so I think always the ability to upgrade the technology and to do some other things that that although we can use the technology in presenting information, we can also think about using the technology to provide access. So, Becky, is there a way that somebody can see the courtroom on a virtual tour through the Internet? We don't. We have some photos on the website of the courtroom, including some photos from the construction. We don't have a video on our web that gives a, gives a virtual tour, um, although I know the technology exists to do that. We have not done that. Um, I think I'm going to ask both of our guests to give the audience some information about where they can get information about both decision quests for those that are interested in more technology and for from Becky as to the uh, model courtroom. So, John, where could they get information from you? Uh, DecisionQuest.com. We have offices all over the country. We provide three core services on uh, jury consulting, trial strategy, graphics consulting, and uh, trial technology support and consulting. And Becky, where can they get more information about the courtroom? Um, they can go to the law school's website, which is www.law.stetson.edu. Um, and the name of the courtroom is Eliezer. So you could actually add slash Eliezer courtroom to that web address, and that takes you directly to the courtroom page. Or if you just go to the, the law school's main page, um, and you can search for it from there. And, of course, if anybody's in town in Gulfport and wants to see the courtroom firsthand, we'd be glad to show them. Or, you know, they can come to our program on May 18th, Jill. That's right, Becky. Well, thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, Becky. For more information about tips and the Access to Justice uh, program, please visit www.abanet.org slash tips. Thanks for listening to this edition of Legal Tips. We hope you'll listen to the rest of this special series brought to you by the Tort Trial and Insurance Practice Section of the American Bar Association. Legal Tips is produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network.